Hi there, this is Andy Bates, Director of Programming for KFUO Radio. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I want to let you know that today's episode was recorded during Shareathon 2021, which is KFUO's annual opportunity for you to join us in partnership and support KFUO. As you'll listen to the program, you'll notice that we give out a phone number for you to call in and pledge your support. That was for the live program. You can still pledge your support. You can still make a gift to KFUO. You can do that online by going to kfuo.org and looking for the donate button, or you can do that by text. Just send a text message to the number 41444 and then enter KFUO as the message. That's right. 41444 is the number you're sending the message to, and KFUO is the message. Click send. You'll get a message right back that'll walk you through those steps on your mobile device to make a gift. It's super easy to do. Thanks so much for listening and thanks for your support. Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. Today is Friday, April 23rd. It is day two of share We are providing you more opportunities to partner with KFUO to support this gospel outreach that proclaims Christ for you anytime, anywhere, both on the airwaves in and around St. Louis, Missouri, and online across the globe. Give us a call today during this program to pledge your support. Call one 800 730-2727. In the St. Louis area, you can call 314-821-0850, or you can text the number 41444. Text the message KFUO to that number, 41444. Text KFUO to that number to pledge your support today. Sharper Iron is privileged to be a part of this proclamation here on KFUO. We're digging into God's Word every weekday morning, and today we're again going to look at one of those images that St. Peter uses in his first epistle and see how God's word makes use of that image to proclaim Christ to us. Today, we're going to take a look at how Peter uses the imagery of stones to help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today. We have with us regular guest, Pastor Philip Hoppe. Pastor Hoppe serves at Peace Lutheran Church in Finlayson, Minnesota and St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Bruno, Minnesota. Pastor Hoppe, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Hey, I'm so glad to be with you again today uh, and to talk through uh, more of God's scripture with you. Yeah, we're looking at First Peter today. I don't think you, you've not been on the series with First Peter yet, have you, Pastor Hoppy? No, I have not. So let's just talk about the epistle in general to give you a chance to, to talk about it, what you see in there before we jump into our particular theme of stones today. Okay. So yeah, I mean, First Peter obviously uh, in general has just kind of all of this uh, glorious talk of sort of our position as God's people. Um, and, you know, all the, uh, especially all the hope and the uh, joy we have in being God's people, uh, obviously written by 
the apostle Peter. Um, and, you know, where it just, it kind of starts off, you know, talking about being born again to that living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so, you know, it's a, it's a particularly fitting kind of book to be reading in this Easter season, uh, because it just kind of revels in what is ours, uh, because of Christ's resurrection. Um, and in the passage we're going to kind of start with, at least today, uh, we hear this uh, even that in the in the the metaphor, right? Living stones, which kind of harkens obviously to the only way we can be living stones is because there is living cornerstone uh, on which uh, we are being placed. Yesterday, we looked at the theme of water, and today we're picking up the theme of stones. It's amazing how Peter uses a, such a variety of images in this epistle. And you know, water is something that gives life. Stones, that's something that we don't associate with living. That's, the, that's dead. And yet we're going to see, as you pointed out, how God makes dead stones into living stones, not only here in First Peter, but throughout the scriptures. The passage that, that this theme really comes through in is in 1 Peter 2. So I'm going to go ahead and read those verses today to get us started. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 8 is where this theme really comes out in 1 Peter. The apostle writes, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Those verses, 1 Peter 2, 4 to 8, really provide a foundation for us today to talk about stones. Pastor Hoppy, as we think about stones in general, before we pick up how the scriptures make use of this image, when we think about stones in our own lives, what are some of the things we associate with that, that the scriptures are going to pick up for us? Well, I guess I would say it this way, right? If you talk to a random person and just, you know, kind of said, well, what, what's your first thought about stones or, you know, that kind of solid uh, piece of material, right? And uh, it would really depend on what they had done that day, probably, uh, whether they might give a glowing review to stones or whether <laughs> they might uh, say, no, this is not a, a great thing. So here, here's what I'm kind of hinting at is, right? Uh, I mean, obviously, I would assume all of us right now are in a building, right, that has a foundation under it, which is some sort of stone, probably a, you know, a process stone, but uh, a stone that's kind of holding the, the building in place. And so if we recognize that, right, we would uh, speak about the stability that stone brings. I think of, you know, older uh, buildings, especially some of the older church buildings, cathedrals. Uh, my my first church was a, a limestone building. And you think about the glory of a building made with with stone. And so it can it can be this this very awesome image of stability and strength. And yet, uh, especially as at least in uh, some parts of the country, I think where you are, Pastor Apple, right? Gardens are are certainly happening. But if you're you're working in a garden or in a field and there's those stones there that aren't doing anything but, you know, hitting your plow or uh, where you're tilling up uh, the garden, they can be a real 
frustration. And the, the Bible really picks up both of those kind of themes, right? This, uh, the, the, the rock that you're going to kind of stumble over, um, and also the image of the cornerstone being this solid foundation upon which the church is built. Out in the the Texas Hill Country where I grew up, which is a little bit west of where I am currently, but I mean, there the rocks, the topsoil is just not very deep. And, and when you're trying to plant a tree out there, you dig down a little ways, and there's that rock, and and you just can't do anything about it. You're right. So the in in our lives, and certainly in the scriptures, stones function in both of those ways. They provide stability strength foundation and yet it's something that can also you you trip over and it's i mean just reflecting on the conversation i had with pastor beck yesterday when we talked about water and how water in the scriptures is both source of judgment and salvation the same water of the flood was a judgment upon the sin of the world and was also salvation for noah it's going to be a similar thing with the stone, I think, today, that that stone, for those who believe, is going to be the foundation, the source of strength and stability. But for those who do not believe, it's it's judgment. They trip over that stone. It's, it's, it's interesting to see that. I bet there's other images in the scriptures like that, but it's, it's some, I don't know, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, I suppose, that he puts these side by side for us here in First Peter, two images that have that same double use in the scriptures. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think, you know, there are probably, like you said, are quite a few more, at least there, there are a lot of words and metaphors that are at least used in both ways. Uh, the only other one I think of right off the top of my head is yeast, right? Which is usually this yeah. kind of picture of bad, but uh, then all of a sudden, you know, in the parables, it becomes this picture of the kingdom, right? So uh, yeah, we get a lot of these, and I guess I shouldn't surprise those of us who understand law and gospel that, God is sort of going to take any metaphor in his word and turn it into that two-edged sword just to mix metaphors there. That's right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> law and gospel. That, that's exactly right. Yeah. So when we think about how then the scriptures pick this up, and we've, we've started to dig into this, but help us to kind of summarize the way that you see the scriptures using this. And then in the rest of the program, we'll dig into specific verses that Peter references and other places that, that we might think of. So how do the give us a, a summary of how the scriptures use this image? Yeah, so I was kind of, you know, as I went back and did some looking at this in preparation for the episode, I was kind of struck by uh, how consistent the theme is that when there's talk of this laying of this cornerstone, that there's also talk of removing things or removing bad shepherds, removing bad rulers, removing the enemies of God. Uh, and then, right, that cornerstone is laid. And uh, we really see this again throughout the scriptures that this is kind of the, the language. And so, um, you know, it is sort of the clearing out and then the building, the the excavating of a place and then the building of, of something new. Um, and so there is a kind of a law gospel dynamic to the image in general um, that generally before the cornerstone is laid, other things are removed. And, and they're generally things actually that, right, God has place there, uh, according at least to their kind of vocation and calling, uh, to do God's work and yet are failing. And therefore the scripture speaks of them as dead stones, right? They're, they're there. They could be serving some useful function, but they're not. And so finally God removes them. He places, uh, his foundation. And then upon that he builds. 
And so we'll see in the rest of this program specific places where the Lord does that specific text that point us to this image. It is Sharathon 2021 here on KFUO, and we would love for you, our listeners, to support us, to join us in this worldwide outreach to share Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Make a gift, pledge your support to help in this worldwide outreach. And we would love to send you something as a gift as well. When you pledge $120 or more, and that's just $10 a month, we've got these cool little keychains. I'm always in need of keychains around my house for the front door, the back door. It's always good to have a keychain. We've got these great little keychains from KFUO, KFUO Radio, Christ for You, anytime, anywhere. A gift of $120 or more for a year, just $10 a month. We would love to send you one of these keychains. It is neon green, so you'll never lose it. I'm, well, I shouldn't promise that. You might lose it, but it's not because of the color of the keychain. So give us a call, 1-800-730-2727 worldwide. You can call 314-8210-850 in the St. Louis area, or you can send a text. I've never tried this. Pastor Rob, have you ever given by text? I have never done that. No, I, okay. I don't know. I guess I'm too old. I Well, and I, I, I might be too old too, but you can do it, I'm told. And you text... That's right. Thank you, Mr. Bates, today. <laughs> so you can text. Here's how you do it. You text the number 41444, and you text the message KFUO to that number, and it sends you something back so that you click on it, and you can give right there. Text KFUO to the number 41444, or call those phone numbers. Partner with us here on KFUO to support this worldwide outreach, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. You're listening to Sharper Iron. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Please stick around. listeners and supporters of KFUO Radio, we are so blessed to have this worldwide gospel-sharing radio station. We have Bible studies, Sharper Iron, Thy Strong Word, and more, which are centered on sound doctrine. We have worship services on Sunday to lift us up in worship and praise when we can't be in church. The talks, discussions, hymn explanations, campus updates, missionary profiles, and so much more give us insight into our walk in the world as Christians. KFUO's music lifts us by helping us sing in troubled or happy times. KFUO daily reminds me that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I am sure there are so many more reasons why we can support KFUO, and you have yours too. We thank God for this gift, KFUO, and all the people who put it together and keep it going. God bless you all. Nancy from Illinois. Our phone lines are open. Please call and support the worldwide ministry of KFUO now at 314-821-0850 or toll free 1-800-730-2727. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Friday, April 23rd, and it is share here on KFUO. We are partnering with you to share Christ for you anytime, anywhere with the world through this wonderful broadcast outreach. 
Right now, our total for Shareathon is almost 54,000. And if we get to above 55,000 today, then we get to give away a raffle item. It's great. So let's try to get to 55,000. If we get to 60,000 too, we get to give something else away. And if we could meet that goal during this hour, that would be fantastic. So give us a call here at KFUO 1-800-730-2727 to make your pledge of support today. Pastor Hoppy, you're helping us here with stones. We've set the stage. Peter, in his epistle, gives us a place to start. He quotes several Old Testament passages here. One is from Isaiah 28. Let's start there. What's what's happened in Isaiah 28? How does Peter make use of it? Uh, yeah, let's, uh, as we do talk about this, we can kind of see that uh, there is this, this image that we've talked about, this removing of stones and then this placing of a new stone. Um, and as we look at that, uh, we see this here in Isaiah 28 and in a particularly, I think, interesting way, because the context here is speaking about God's people returning to Jerusalem after the exile. As you know, in Isaiah's um, writings, we have all of these uh, different periods that are being talked about, right? Before the exile, during the exile, uh, and as they come back from exile, and all of these prophetically by, by the prophet Isaiah. But here he's talking about the return, and when he speaks about Jerusalem uh, upon the return, he, he describes it as being ruled over by a bunch of wicked, lying drunks. I mean, not a, not a particularly great picture, especially of those who are supposed to be watching over the city. Um, and here, you know, to, to kind of bump up the metaphor even a little bit more, um, we're told that he sends hailstones uh, to get rid of them, right? So here come these stones flying out of the sky uh, to, to remove the dead stones that are watching over Jerusalem. And then he says, right, again, that he is now going to lay this sure foundation, this precious stone uh, there in order that his people can return and then build there uh, upon it. So how do we see the, the law and the gospel present in that use of the word stone? Right. So, I mean, you know, these <laughs> the hailstones there are obviously, we could say, all law, right? Uh, yeah. um, if God from his heavens is casting down stones at you, uh, it's, you know, it's one of the other things just I'll mention quickly. I don't think it's real important to the overall talk we're having today. But of course, the other only other place you really see stones talked a lot about is in stoning people, right? People mm -hmm. picking up stones and throwing yeah. them. Well, in this case, it's God uh, that is throwing yeah. the stones and that's the yeah. law. Uh, and again, law upon people that are supposed to be carrying out a good function and are not. Um, I, many churches uh, on Good Friday will use this, this service called the chief service. And at the end, there's these things called the reproaches. And um, in those things, they, it's kind of this thing where God says, look at everything I've done for you. I've set up everything perfectly. And you repay me with thanklessness. You repay me with sour grapes when I should be getting good grapes. Well, this is kind of the image in Isaiah is these people that have been given Jerusalem for the time, uh, they've been given everything and yet they are dead. They're not producing what they should. And so God in his law will remove them. Then in the gospel, right, he will uh, go now and lay this cornerstone so his people again can be built up upon it.
Now, when it comes to the image of stones, then another passage that Peter uses is in Psalm 118. And when I think of the, the image of stone, particularly in the Old Testament, this is one of the key passages because it not only shows up here in First Peter, but Jesus makes use of it himself in some of his preaching, particularly during Holy Week. It shows up in some of the apostolic preaching as well. And I'm sure we'll get there. It particularly functions on Palm Sunday in my mind because of the context of Psalm 118. But I won't, I won't take any more thunder from you, Pastor Hoppy. Take us into those words from Psalm 118, how the image of stone functions there, and again, how, how Peter's making use of it. Yeah, and I was going to go to a little different place. So I'll, I'll save you a little thunder with, you know, Palm Sunday. Uh, you sure. can certainly uh, go there here, too. But, you know, uh, again, you know, you have this talk about sort of uh, the enemies of God thinking they're ruling and sort of in an arrogance, right? And um, what God does is he comes and does this marvelous thing, right? It's just a great phrase, right? The, this, uh, the doing of the Lord that's marvelous uh, in our eyes. Um, and when he does that then, right, when he lays this cornerstone upon which now uh, his church can be built, uh, we get this phrase, and this is a phrase we use a lot, right? This, uh, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. But I, I found it as I was reading, thinking through this psalm, you know, we often forget that context of that phrase, right? That why is it the day that the Lord uh, has made and why are we to rejoice in it? Precisely because it's the day on which he's laying his cornerstone. Um, and so, you know, when we think of that, maybe we think of Easter day first when we hear that phrase, although it's meant for every day really, right? Uh, but if we put all those uh, together, that on Easter, that is when Christ, uh, the cornerstone is certainly kind of laid uh, so that everyone can see the foundation upon which everything is, is going to be built. The other, the other interesting thing I was going to mention is that, um, you know, the, the, some of these phrases are used in multiple Psalms, but in the book of Ezra, as they're laying the foundation of the second temple, um, we see there this phrase used as well. And so, right, they're, they're laying a literal foundation there of the second temple and they're singing this song and what a, you know, beautiful, um, uh, you know, <laughs> foreshadowing of what's going to happen, right? That if, if we can sing this song when the second temple, which again was not as glorious as the first temple and certainly not as glorious as the third temple, Jesus, right? If, if we can sing the song there that the Lord is good, you know, taste and see, uh, we certainly can say that when Christ uh, is laid as the foundation. I, I did not know that, the thing about Ezra. And I really like that because I, I think that, I mean, that fits very well with everything that's going on here. The reason that I associate this psalm with Palm Sunday is because of the way that it continues after the language of stones in verses 25 and 26 of Psalm 118. You have save us, we pray, O Lord, which would have been Hosanna in Hebrew. Right. And then, of yeah. course, verse 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So and that's what the crowd's singing on Palm Sunday as Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. And, and here's where I mean, I'm so glad you said that about about Ezra and the laying of the foundation of the second temple, because they're singing the psalm there when the temple's being built. And the people in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday are singing the psalm when this new temple is being established. You know, I mean, think about how how that's a key theme in Jesus ministry, that he's the new temple, particularly in John's gospel. When he just when he goes into the temple in chapter two and he, you know, he just overturns everything and he tells the the people there you, know, you destroy this temple and i'll rebuild it in three days 
they didn't know what he was talking about. Later, his disciples realized he was talking about his own body. And I mean, that's that's what's happening there in on Palm Sunday and really throughout Holy Week. You know, I mean, this Psalm 118 is, is fit for all of Holy Week. And so that the fact that the people are singing it in Ezra when they're laying the second temple foundation and they're singing it on on Palm Sunday, when the new temple, the, the, this temple of Jesus' body is about to be established as the, the living stone, the foundation. I mean, that's just, wow, that, that's fantastic. And then, of course, you know, we pick up these same words, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, when the temple comes to us <laughs> in, in, in the Sanctus. You know, I mean, it's just, oh, that's fantastic, Pastor Hoppy. Yeah, and this, um, I, I, I've been told that, and I don't get exactly whether this is every year or something, but uh, those Orthodox Jews and, and maybe some, and this is a whole nother topic we don't have time to get into, but some of the Christians that are trying to rebuild the temple in our day, they say that they, I think it's every year, roll this cornerstone right up to the temple mount. Uh, and, you know, is saying, hey, we're, we're ready to build. And then the people tell them, go back away, right? So you're not doing that this year. But again, think of that image even as Christ coming on Palm Sunday, right? The cornerstone is sort of being rolled up to the temple mount, right? And, and now it's going to be laid. Now, the other text that Peter brings up for us comes from Isaiah chapter eight. It's, it is when we, we studied this a couple, a couple days ago on sharper iron It is amazing how Peter just goes from one old Testament text to the next. So seamlessly, he, he uses Isaiah eight here in chapter two as well. What, what's the context there? Well, here, you know, we're now back, like I said, Isaiah takes us to different, you know, portions of kind of the history of God's people, uh, all surrounding the exile, but at different points throughout that. And so here the context uh, is that of Assyria um, invading, right? And in a kind of interesting way, Isaiah is called at that point to set himself apart from the people of Israel. In other words, to live differently than the rest of Israel. It's a sort of a sad thing, right? That Isaiah would have to act differently than the people of God in order to be like what the people of God are supposed to be. Um, and in fact, the people of Israel in this passage are described as crumbling. And I, I found that kind of, you know, with the metaphor, uh, very fitting, right? A dead stone uh, does begin to crumble, um, but he is instead basically told to find refuge upon the cornerstone again, right? So in this case, the, the tribes of Israel that have been faithless uh, are removed, particularly, uh, you know, the northern kingdom first, uh, and then later the southern kingdom, but then the cornerstone again will be laid after that. So it gives us even just this salvation history, right? That the north has to fall, the south has to fall, exile has to happen, and then the cornerstone will finally be laid. Yeah, again, that image being used there so often in scriptures. We're going to see how that continues to be used into the New Testament as well as we continue this conversation here on Sharper Iron. One of the things that's amazing for me as the host of Sharper Iron is to hear from listeners. Yesterday, I had the privilege of speaking to Jeff, who listens regularly, and he outlines the show, or he's begun to do that, and he sent me one of the outlines, and it's just fantastic to see how the Word of God is is impacting his life, how he's sharing it with his family, how he's making use of it. What a humbling thing for me. We've got another email here from a listener, James, who he and his wife listen regularly, and he, he writes this, we listen to the program Sharper Iron Monday through Friday on our Amazon Echo smart speaker, which, Pastor Hoppy, this is another one of those things where maybe I'm just too old. I don't have one of those. But I'm glad people do. I, I, actually, I don't know if you, I actually you? do have one. So okay. I, I've actually done that. So, you know, on this, I'm a little more technologically advanced. But I was going to say real quick that, 
you know, we were talking before about how neither of us have texted and done the text to give. Maybe that's a challenge, right? Today is you that's guys right. show us how it's done, right? Use that that's option right. and, and prove to us that we should get up with the times and learn how to do this. That's right. Or for you who are farther ahead in the times than me, use your Amazon Echo speaker like James. He also writes, this is the first year we've been aware of the program and that we could listen on the Echo. So you can do this. What, what do you, how does that work, Pastor Hopper? You say, you say, Alexa, is that right? Alexa, I want to listen to KFUO. Is that, is that how that works? Yeah, I, that's what I just say. I say, Alexa, listen to KFUO radio, and it, it brings it up. Now, I, I don't that's think fantastic. I've enabled Andy may be yelling at us. You may have to enable a skill or something. Maybe I did that years ago, but um, that's all I say, and it comes up. It's pretty pretty slick. It's not going to turn on in the background right now if you say that. <laughs> you just it? woke up everyone's devices. <laughs> <laughs> Only a couple times. <laughs> you, are, you are correct. You simply say her name and uh, play KFUO radio. So you simply say, Alexa, play KFUO radio, and uh, she'll pull it up on TuneIn for you, and uh, you can listen that way. I'll let you go back so, to reading your letter. <laughs> that's fine. Thank you. Thank you. And so, yeah, James, this is how James and his wife listen. They listen every day. They really appreciate the the host, the, the wonderful guests that we have. They say, thank you for the excellent Bible study and all the work you put into the program. We continue to learn so much from you and your guests. Have a blessed Easter. James, you and your wife have a blessed Easter as well. Thank you for your encouragement. It is a privilege for me to be able to talk to so many faithful pastors across the country, to learn from them the word of God, and to share that with you, our listeners. Thank you for listening. Thank you for partnering with us during share to support this worldwide outreach of sharing Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Again, give us a call, 1-800-730-2727 worldwide in the St. Louis area, 314-821-0850, or text, show us old pastors how it's done. Text KFUO to the number 41444. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. We're going to take that short break. We'll be right back. Please stick around. I get that sermon for the six o'clock or seven o'clock or whatever time it is. How do I get a copy of that sermon? It was so fabulous. I need it to help me spread the word. It was just so powerful to help me counter the people who only know the judgment side of God. Thank you for that and for all you do. God bless. Our phone lines are open. Please call and support the worldwide ministry of KFUO now at 314-821-0850 or toll free 1-800-730-2727. 
Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It's Friday, April 23rd, day two of share partnering with you to share Christ for you anytime, anywhere, worldwide here on KFUO. Our total giving has reached above 55000 so at our next break, we will be giving away one of those raffle items. And if we get to 60000 65000 before that next break, that's at 845 we can give away a few more raffle items. So give, please partner with us here at KFUO, 1-800-730-2727. Got Pastor Philip Hoppe with us this morning, helping us through the image of stones in the scriptures. Pastor Hoppe, I know these aren't on your notes, but just in my own mind, a couple of places that come to mind, particularly as you're talking about you know, stones, think of them as dead things, and the Lord makes them alive or replaces them with living stones. A couple of other passages that just briefly come to my mind. In Isaiah 51, the Lord tells his people to look to the rock from which you were hewn, Abraham. You know, I mean, Abraham, who was one, and he was as good as dead, as the Hebrews, right to the Hebrews says, from that stone, the Lord brought life. And then the other place, particularly as you're talking about replacing a dead stone with a living one, is in the prophet Ezekiel. I think it's chapter 36, where he taught the Lord there says he's going to take the hearts of stone from his people and he's going to give them hearts of flesh. So those are just a couple other images that come to my mind, places from the scriptures where this this image is. I know we want to turn to the Gospels, the New Testament here, but any other places in the Old Testament, any response to that before we make that jump to the New Testament? No, I think those are ba- both great other examples, uh, and I think this image is used just you know quite regularly throughout the scriptures. Um, the, the only other one I had written down was just in Zechariah chapter ten, and there the image of he says you know he's got these faithless shepherds, um, and it says then the Lord of Hosts right is going to kind of take care of those shepherds because his anger is burning against them, and then it says right from God will come the cornerstone. Uh, it goes on more imagery. Uh, it's one of those passages that when I mix metaphor. I, you know, rejoice that the Spirit does so also in Zechariah. There's all sorts of images in the couple verses there. Um, but yeah, no, let's, I think we should go ahead and, and look to uh, the Gospels then. Sure. And so in the Gospels, of course, we'll talk about Jesus. But before we get to Jesus, you've got the forerunner of Jesus, John, who very famously uses this imagery in his, his own preaching. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, when he's uh, out there uh, preaching his baptism of repentance, right, uh, you get uh, the religious leaders that come out who have no intention of humbling themselves to undergo that baptism. Uh, and he says to them, right, don't uh, say to yourself, we have Abraham for our father, for I tell you that God is able to make these stones uh, raise up children from for Abraham. And so, you know, again, look at this image of how he says, you know, God can take something as dead as a stone and turn it into a living thing like a child. And, uh, you know, again, just the overall image in the scripture here, right, of God taking that which is dead and making it alive as sort of one of the chief images of the gospel. Uh, John the Baptist picks up on this here, but he does so kind of in the context of a rebuke, obviously, a fairly strong rebuke. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it's literally true, right, that he could have taken those stones and made them into children for Abraham. And and in essence, that's what he does. Right? I mean, he takes he takes those who are who are dead and he makes them alive by faith. You know, that same faith that Abraham had. That's how he I mean, again, he's not taking literal rocks that you could go dig up 
in your yard. If, well, hopefully your yard doesn't have big rocks, but if you had big rocks <laughs> in your yard, you know, that's not what he's talking about. But in essence, that is what he does. He does make children of Abraham from stones. He makes, he makes living people from, from dead things. He makes a, uh, to use Peter's language, he, he makes this living house from dead stones, such that stones now are, are living. That's, I mean, that's what John preached. That's actually what the Lord does. No, absolutely. And, you know, we get this uh, echoed again. We were talking about Palm Sunday before, uh, but there Jesus, right, when, uh, you know, the others uh, that are opposed to him are telling uh, Jesus that he should, you know, quiet those that are speaking about him being the son of David, right? He, he says there again, right, that he could make the stones cry out if those children didn't. And and again, just this constant image. Uh, and again, when I said literally, I wasn't saying literally turns stones into children, but he literally could, right? I mean, that is kind of right. his point. If he wanted to, he could, but you're exactly right. He's using that as an image to speak about what he does with us, right? And so, you know, uh, it, it's this constant and beautiful image. So as we then turn to our own Lord's words, life, ministry, we see this image come up in Satan's temptation of Jesus. What happens in that interaction? How does, how does Jesus use that image? Yeah, I think this is kind of interesting. I, I kind of gained a little bit more insight as I was looking at this, you know, this, this image, this temptation where Jesus is not eaten, right? He's fasting. And then um, Satan says to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And the part that was kind of, you know, new to me was I was studying this this time is, right, uh, we get that he's saying, if you are the son of God, in the sense of if you're that powerful, you can do this. But I think there might even be more that he understands that God himself does this work. Satan understands that God turns dead things into living things. And therefore, if Jesus is the son of God, he also should be able to turn something as dead as a stone that would not nourish you at all into loaves of bread to nourish you. So I think it's even more just than his power. It's actually a characteristic of God that he's referring to here. And he says, if you're the son of this guy, you should be able to do the same thing he does. And what, what strikes me about that interaction, because it is, you know, Satan is the one that says to Jesus, if you're the son of God, do this, make these stones bread. In Jesus' response, he, he quotes from Deuteronomy, saying, you know, man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And, and that same juxtaposition of stones and the word of God is nourishment. That's what Peter has here in, in first Peter two. And it, it's, it's always kind of struck me as strange. And I'm, I'm still not sure exactly how the jump is made, but it, it's interesting that Jesus has those two images side by side as well. And Peter, you know, you have as, as newborn babies long for that pure spiritual milk, long for the word of God that nourishes you. That's the, that's the same thing. I mean, like Jesus picks up that as well in the same context of stones. So, I don't, I'm not sure what to do with that right now, but it's, I, it's something that there's a, it seems there's a connection between those two texts. Again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not connecting all the dots in my own mind right now, but it, I, I don't know. There's something there. No, I think you're right. Uh, we'll have to come back to it on another episode someday. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Sharper, sharper iron still. We're still working on that, that sharper iron. Yeah. So Pastor Hoppy, let's keep working our way through our, our Lord's ministry. Jesus himself picks up Psalm 118 that we were talking about earlier. He uses it in what's called the parable of the tenants sometime. How does our Lord make use of this text? 
Uh, yeah, so here he, you know, paints this picture. I was talking about those reproaches before, and, and the reproaches uh, kind of have this image too, right, of the, the vineyard being built and then it being given out to these tenants who do not do well with it. And that's this parable of the wicked tenants is, uh, you know, they, they do not, they're not good stewards of the vineyard. And, you know, to the point where uh, when, right, the son is sent to get the fruit of the harvest, um, he's killed. Right. So the very bad tenants um, and God uh, says, right, he is going to then replace um, them. And he is going to again here. Jesus says right at the end of telling this that have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And this is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. So uh, he and, and, and it, the other thing that I guess is kind of interesting to me in a lot of these images is that there is sort of a threefold thing. There's the removing of the dead stones. There's the laying of the cornerstones. But then there's also then the living stones that are built on top of it. Right. So, again, here in the Matthew account, he says, right, ultimately says this is going to be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit. So, yes, at the center of it is the laying of the cornerstone, Jesus. A cornerstone, right? I mean, sometimes maybe we forget this, but it, it's really of no value unless something is built on it, right? Otherwise, you just have kind of, you know, in our day and age, you just have this big piece of cement in the ground um, that does nothing. And so God lays the cornerstone precisely so that it can be built on. And then, like you said, the only way he can build on it is by turning us dead stones into living stones that he's going to place on top of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, the removal of the dead stones that happens, then, I mean, it, through faith in that living stone, that cornerstone, the Lord works to to bring those dead stones to life and build them around that true foundation. Because when not built on that true foundation, all you can be is a dead stone. And so the Lord does that work, that, that law work of of removing whatever idols you may try to build on or whatever whatever false faith you have so that you can be built as a living stone on that true cornerstone. Before we take our ne next break, let's pick up one more image from, from the New Testament here. In, in Matthew 24, and in parallel text in the Synoptic Gospels, Jesus is standing there in front of the temple with his disciples, and he says something very astounding about the temple, those huge, beautiful stones that are a part of that building. Pastor Robbie, how does that fit into this larger theme that we're talking about? Well, yeah, this goes back to as you were talking about him coming into Jerusalem. Uh, and again, uh, you know, when he comes into Jerusalem, then he goes in and he cleanses the temple, right? All of this is kind of being built. Uh, and here he kind of brings it home for the people that he the, the, the disciples are marveling at the stones there in the temple, uh, probably both their actual, you know, beauty, their, their stability, but also kind of the, the, as a symbol of the temple, right? That it's really important too. And Jesus says, right, all those stones are going to be thrown down, right? Not one will be left upon another. And again, we know this, you know, literally happens in 70 AD, uh, but not only is it literally going to happen that those stones are cast away, but it is happening in that very moment as you said, again, where Jesus and his body now is becoming the temple uh, and he is going to now uh, be that place where God uh, comes to his people in the flesh of Jesus. Um, that all comes here and we see this this beautiful picture again of that's how he is laid uh, as the cornerstone of the new temple. And he, I mean, he, he is the new temple or you know, the Bible uses temple in several ways, right? Jesus is the temple, the church is the temple, each individual person is the temple. 
but it kind of comes together in this first Peter language, right? Yep, we're all part of this new temple because Jesus is the cornerstone, and then he makes us living stones to be built upon it. Yeah, Christ is our cornerstone, as the hymn says. And we're going to keep looking at that image here on Sharp Iron. Again, it is Sherathon here on KFUO. We have some people to thank, some gifts to give away. As I mentioned earlier, we have reached above that $55,000 plateau. And so we're going to be giving away one of the raffle items. It's this beautiful Lutheran study Bible with Luther's rose on it. We've got Andy Bates and Mary Schmidt with us. Right. Good, Good to morning. help us. Good we morning. are here. So, so glad to be along. And yes, we get to draw a name here in just a little bit uh, to give away that Lutheran study Bible. Who would we like to thank this morning, Mary? I have a couple of people I'd like to thank. Thank you, Dan and Dale of Bunker Hill, Illinois. Thank you for your support. Jeanette of Waterloo, Illinois, who gave in memory of her husband, Ray. Thank you so much for your partnership and support. William of Carpentersville, Illinois who gave in honor of his parents, William and Charlotte Cask. Thank you so much for your gifts. Dorothy of Glen Carbon, Illinois, thank you. Eleanor of Sterling, Illinois, thank you so much for your support. Joanne of, uh-oh, Missoula, Missoula, Montana. Sounds good. Sorry, sometimes I trip up on some of these cities, so I do apologize. <laughs> now, if it were in Texas, you know, I'm sure that the Pastor Apple could get it right. I don't know. I don't know. Past- I've heard of Missoula before. Pastor Hoppy's in Minnesota. It's not too far from Montana, right? <laughs> well, I, I, it'd be quite a drive, actually. Maybe you should get out your map and take a look at that. But. <laughs> All right. Who, who do we have to thank next? I'd also like to thank Gary of Carlisle, Illinois, for his support. And Lisa of Rosemary Beach in Florida. She gave in loving memory of her parents, Ed and Betty. Thank you, Jack and Marilyn from St. Louis, Missouri, for your support. And John and Karen from Lake Villa in Illinois. Charles and Laverne in Centralia, Illinois. Sue from Belleville, Illinois. She gave in loving memory of her parents, Otto and Ethel. And also in loving memory of Michael Henderson. So thank you for those loving gifts. Thank you, Janet of Staunton, Illinois, for your support, and Patricia of Waterloo, Illinois, who also gave in honor of her parents, Arthur and Verna, and her grandparents, Herman and Dora. And thank you, William and Susan of Livingston, Texas. They gave in loving memory of their friend, Don Brose. Livingston, Texas. Pastor Apple, any, any clue? Is that anywhere near you? It's not, but Pastor Askins formerly served that. Ah, aha. Uh-huh. Well, we are so thankful for all these wonderful folks who have called in and pledged their support. And uh, we do we have a name to draw for the... We do. All and right. this is going to be for that Luther Rose Lutheran Study Bible. Uh, that's really beautiful. I don't know if you've seen it, but it has Luther Rose on it. And it's embossed in leather. And, and it's very, very pretty. <laughs> and our winner is Sherry Rollet of Perryville, Missouri. Sherry is actually the day sponsor for today, oh, uh, April 23rd. Oh, she awesome. gave in loving memory of her dear friend, Ruby Schubert. Ruby introduced her to KFUO, and uh, she started, and uh, she said she couldn't stop after that. She listens <laughs> to KFUO every day, and, and she's very thankful for her friend introducing her to KFUO. Very good, very good. So we are at 55 a uh, thousand three hundred ninety-five, and Pastor Apple has set a goal. Uh, what's that goal for this hour, Pastor Apple? Let's try to get up to sixty thousand, so we can give another raffle item away. All right, all right. So we've got about twelve minutes to do that. I'll let you gentlemen uh, here. Well, we'll let, we'll 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 come right back here in just a little bit, so you gentlemen can study God's word here on Sharper Iron. Thanks so much.
Our phone lines are open. Please call and support the worldwide ministry of KFUO now at 314-821-0850 or toll free 1-800-730-2727. Iron, it's Friday, April 23rd, day two of Sherathon here on KFUO, trying to get up to 60,000 before the end of the hour, not that much farther. Please partner with us to support this outreach of Christ for you anytime, anywhere through this wonderful broadcast ministry here on Worldwide KFUO. Pastor Hoppy, we're talking the image of stones here in the scriptures. We, we've looked at most of the stuff that's in the Gospels. There's one more place that we could probably look in the Gospels. The, the evangelists highlight for us that stone that was placed in front of Jesus' tomb. How does that factor into this whole picture? Yeah, I mean, I think this is the the ultimate image of a stone uh, and a, a dead stone that's removed in order that life might come forward, right? So, uh, you know, we get quite a bit of uh, imagery here um, in the sense of this stone that is not only placed uh, there on Jesus's tomb, it is then also sealed in place. Uh, and all of this to according to the enemies of God, right, to try to keep Jesus there. And so that there would be no doubt in anyone's mind that Jesus was dead. And that was the end of his story. And so this stone uh, is supposed to be the end to Jesus's story. And yet then we are told uh, on Easter Sunday, right, that that stone is removed, uh, rolled away uh, by the angels. And then we get this wonderful picture in the Gospels, uh, in one of the Gospels, I believe it's Matthew, where the angel is actually sitting right on top of the stone. It's this great image of conquering, right? Oh, that that huge stone, uh, that's nothing. Let me sit on it right now. Of course, not that the angel himself has the power to conquer, but he's the angel, right, that God has sent with his own power. And so, you know, this beautiful picture here of all these stones that we're talking about, uh, this large, great stone that the women are afraid they're not going to move and that the enemies of God are hoping will make sure that Jesus does not move. Uh, the angel comes and moves it and Jesus walks out of the tomb alive. And in so doing, right, the cornerstone for all of God's people is now laid, right? It is there in order that God can then build his church upon Christ uh, as he turns us dead stones into living ones. Yeah, I mean, even even just to, you know, to broaden that a little bit into the, the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord, which again, is, it finds fulfillment there on Easter. But even what Matthew tells us happens upon the death of Jesus, you know, you've got rocks splitting there at the death of Jesus. And you also have those saints who come out of their tombs at the death of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, you, you see right there, I think, that the, the stone that the builders rejected, it's actually the cornerstone at that moment. In the rejection of the stone, it's already being laid as the cornerstone. And it's, it's made full there at the resurrection. And, and what really strikes me, again, about Matthew's account particularly is the way that, you know, he, I, it's so funny, I think, you know, the way he reports it, that on the one hand, you've got those women who are there listening to the angel. But then he, Matthew tells us, you know, for fear of him, that angel, the guards trembled and became like dead men, which, I mean, you know, what, what a difference that that third day has made now. This cornerstone that was rejected, now alive, now the foundation, all who are in him are living. Again, those who are not, they become like dead men, that that, that becomes a judgment for them. And yet 
what what's the point of this cornerstone to be laid to be that foundation for all people that those who are built upon him do have life do become those living stones in him pastor hoppy as as we think forward into the new testament into some of the other apostolic preaching we have peter himself in some of his preaching in the book of acts using this prior to the writing of his epistle where do we see that how does he make use of this image yeah, so in Acts chapter 4, uh, we have uh, Peter here kind of uh, preaching what we'll later find in this epistle. Um, and for some of you, again, as you go to church this week, uh, if your church uses what's called the three-year lectionary, you'll actually hear this text this Sunday. So it'll be great to kind of bring all of this back to your mind. Uh, but there, you know, he says, right, let it be known to you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by him, this man is standing before you. Well, he's referring there to the lame man that has been healed. And then he says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And so there again, get this, that he is preaching this as a message of rebuke, right? It was rejected by you, the builders. In other words, again, the pe very people who were supposed to be building the kingdom of God by God's you know, order, uh, they are now, they're being rejected, right? Because they rejected the very cornerstone that was supposed to be laid. And now, right, Jesus is that stone upon which everything is going to be built. Of course, the great news here is in this sermon, even those who have rejected the cornerstone are now called to repent and then build upon the cornerstone, right? This is, this is full strength law that they rejected him, but he, they are also then called to find their own life upon him. Uh, because as the text says, right, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I mean, it is, it's quite amazing in the preaching in the book of Acts. And I think sometimes we, we miss this or we forget this. You know, for example, there in Acts 4.11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. And, and we put ourselves into that you. You know, I, I was the one who rejected Jesus in idolatry. And that's true, of course. I mean, these, these words do apply to us. But Peter's preaching to people who quite literally put Jesus on the cross. I mean, who, who would have maybe, you know, either were among the leaders who did that or among the crowd who shouted, crucify him. That's who Peter's preaching to. And, and even for them, this stone that they've rejected is the cornerstone for them, just as it is for us. So Pastor Hoppy, with just a couple minutes here, as we wrap up, what is, what does this all mean for us as Christians? What does it mean for us to, to be built on this cornerstone, the one rejected that now is the foundation so that we would be living stones in him? Well, yeah, I think it is in the end, it's just wonderful gospel news for us, right? Because as we examine our own lives, uh, we do see death, right? And we can think that we are just these crumbling stones of no use. And again, by ourselves, that would be an accurate, uh, you know, recognition of where we are in life. And yet, right, even though we at times in our sins reject the one whom God has laid his cornerstone, uh, we too are called back. Uh, we are told that this is where we will find our life and that he will make us living stones as we are placed upon the living cornerstone, Jesus, the resurrected one. Uh, and it's this beautiful picture, sort of even if you get the image of us being laid right upon Jesus, that his life now is transferred to us. Unlike in the Old Testament, where if there is an unclean thing uh, and you touch it, you become unclean here. There is a living thing. And if you touch it, you now become living. 
and God builds his church with you uh, as a part of it. Pastor Philip Hoppe is the pastor at Peace Lutheran Church in Finlayson, Minnesota, and St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Bruno, Minnesota, helping us today to discuss the image of stones, how Christ is our cornerstone, and in him we are made into living stones built upon him as that foundation for our faith. Pastor Hoppe, thanks for joining us today. So glad to be with you. And I also hear it's your birthday. So happy birthday from the entire KFUO worldwide audience. Thank you, Pastor Hoppy. It's a joy to be with everyone today. We have a new total to announce. We've reached $59,235. Thank you so much for supporting us, for sharing in this ministry, this outreach to share Christ for you anytime, anywhere. It is a joy to partner with you. Again, this is Sherathon here on KFUO. Please continue to support, partner, pray for us here at KFUO. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron. Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thank you for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again next week. Pastor Apple, thanks so much for uh, sharing with us your special day here during Shareathon. We planned a whole three-day party just for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Joy to be with you. Thanks so much, guys, for being a part of Shareathon today. What a great goal! Uh, uh, Fifty-nine thousand two hundred thirty-five. I bet we can get that to sixty thousand here in just a little bit. Uh, God's blessings today uh, to to you both, gentlemen, for studying God's word with us and for all that you do to keep Sharper Iron going so well. Thanks so much. Hey, glad to be with you. Coming up in just a little bit, the coffee hour here on KFUO.